Hi, and thanks for downloading that B-Word podcast. This is your beautiful bipolar host, Becky, and I got my referral. So I have a new new therapist that I'm going to be seeing, although I can't get in to see her for about a month. So I was right there. Um, her name's Amanda, and I'm hoping that I'll get along with her pretty well. Her hours are definitely better. She has evening hours where my last therapist only had morning and afternoon hours. So I think that'll be good. And I really need to go <laughs> because uh, it's not been a great few days. Once again, my dad was in the hospital again and my sleep was all messed up. Although one time this week, I, well, I've been taking a melatonin about half an hour before I take the rest of my medicine at night because the Seroquel gives me restless legs. So I'm thinking if I can fall asleep immediately after taking it, then I won't have that problem. And it's worked for the most part so far. So there's a workaround <laughs> anyway. But yeah, so sleep is weird as always for me. I'm not sure why. Just uh, one of those things, I guess. And in news and reviews this time, I think that you can probably guess what I'm going to be touching on. Um, just a few days ago, there was a school shooting in Florida on Valentine's Day. And the national uh, dialogue has become about mental health, almost exclusively. And I, I really hate that mental health is a politicized topic. It shouldn't be. It's about taking care of vulnerable people. It's about, you know, being healthy. And now it's part of the narrative of, of you know, the part of the political narrative. And so I find myself in a weird spot because this isn't a political podcast and I've really tried to make it apolitical or something that everybody can relate to because I think even if you don't agree with me personally, you know, you still have mental health, you still have issues if you have issues. And I think that um, it's not in my best interest or anybody else's best interest to alienate people who need, you know, who might need help or who find value in this podcast. So there's that. <laughs> that being said, <laughs> you know, that that's the dialogue right now. It's sort of, is it a mental health problem? Should we make sure not to give guns to mentally ill people? Or is it a gun control problem? Do we want to give less guns to everyone? And personally, I generally like to kind of get the expert opinion on this. And it seems like from the articles that I'm reading and from things I've seen in the past, that the consensus among mental health practitioners and psychiatrists seems to be that people with serious mental illnesses are more likely to be victims of violence than perpetrators. Now, of course, that's not going to be, that's not going to be true in every instance, but as a general sort of rule, I think that's accurate. And, and I mean, there's already a lot of federal and state laws that, that attempt to do this with a ban on gun ownership for people who have um, been treated in mental institutions. Uh, but that varies from state to state. Now, uh, in the article 
on abcnews.go.com named Trump Focus on Mental Health After Shooting Denounced. And the article is by Lindsay Tanner. There's Dr. Lewis Krauss that is quoted and he says that the concept that mental illness is a precursor to violent behavior is nonsense. The vast majority of gun violence is not attributable to mental illness. And there's a great naivete to what the president and the governor are proposing. A history of violent behavior, alcohol and substance use, and previous criminal factors are all more pertinent factors to consider. Especially you would think the history of violent behavior. Um, not to say that people can't change, but that doesn't mean we have to give people who have a violent history guns, right? Now, measure, measure all that against the evidence that indicated this kid was going to be a shooter or be violent. Um, from the Sun Sentinel in Florida, article titled Florida Shooting Suspect Nicholas Cruz Showed Warning Size for Years in September of 2016, and a trigger warning here for self-harm. In 2016 September, the kid put a video of himself cutting himself on Snapchat. Child services got involved and determined he was getting, quote, adequate support from his school and from a mental health outpatient facility in the area. And that facility showed him stable enough not to be hospitalized. This was 2016. So two years ago. And in February, February I believe it was 2017, he posted on social media on YouTube that, you know, he was going to be a professional school shooter. And in January of this year, just a month before um, the shooting, someone called the FBI to report concerns over him having guns. So there's obviously, it's obviously known that this is a potentially de deadly and dangerous situation. Now I know hindsight is 2020, but you can't help but wonder if someone, you know, dropped the ball. I know that people working in mental health are overworked, underpaid, they have client loads that are huge, but that's really the problem, isn't it? That the system, or you know, systems, since things are different in every state, is floundering. and. To me, it seems like we need to worry less about who gets the guns and more about who needs help. Let's help these people before they get to that point. Before. It shouldn't be about just preventing them from buying guns. You know? You know, I, su I do support more uh, background checks on gun control and I support more gun control, but that's not really going to fix the, the issue. Right? It seems like we need to do both things. You know, both sides are right, in my opinion. It's a twofold approach. And without support for both things, we're going to continue to have all this violence. And what is truly insane is that nothing has changed since the last mass shooting. Nothing has changed before the one before that and the one before that. So you want to go ahead and fix mental health great then do it you want gun control great then do it do something how many poor kids have to die before we do something anyway that's my soapbox so my guest this week 
to switch topics entirely is Jessica Porton. And Jessica recently made headlines after being escorted by police to the hospital um, after requesting assistance for her postpartum depression. I think she raises some really good points, so I'll go ahead and let her take it from here. Yes. Hi, it's Rebecca. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. Um, how how have you been? Are you feeling any better? Yeah, a lot better. Okay. Thank you. Great. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's a question sometimes people forget to ask. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. So. Or, or it's the last one they ask. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Um, Thank you. I was thinking we could start off with you talking a little bit about what happened to you and um, go from there. All right. Um, so when you first went into the, your OB's office, you told the nurse that you were having some postpartum depression. Is that right? Yeah. I said I wanted to talk about, um, you know, medication, see what options were available, if that was a route that I wanted to go or not. Mm-hmm. And then um, I needed a vaginal exam because nobody had, you know, seen me since I had given birth. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Somebody, like, came to my door with a dog, and my dog started freaking out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? A little Yorkie poo. Aw. Her Yorkies. name is Bee. She's, uh, she looks like a mini, a miniature schnauzer, like the mix that she is. And mm-hmm. she's black and gray and she's like a kangaroo. <laughs> she climbs the tree in our backyard. She's so crazy. Aw, that's so cute. I love dogs. I have two bigger ones. Uh, oh, yeah? yeah? Nice. Yeah, usually. <laughs> Sometimes uh, it can be a pain. Yes, they're a lot like children. <laughs> So, yeah, for me, it was kind of just business as usual. You know, my symptoms had already been normalized to me. Mm-hmm. So I was really forthcoming with everything that was, you know, going on and going on in my head. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I was adamant that I would not hurt myself or my children. And um, But I had read several stories of other women, you know, experiencing like postpartum rage and, and things like that. So I knew it was normal. So, but she... She did not. So they called the police to escort me to the emergency room Hmm. so that I could be cleared by a social worker. They needed somebody. They they did not feel that they were qualified to clear me to go home. So at that point, I was a a liability to them. So they, they put me on the emergency room. And unfortunately, they're just so inundated. Um. That, you know, wait times are typically very long. And so it, it took us eight hours at the emergency room before a social worker could see me and interview me and clear me to go home. Mm-hmm. How um, you said you read some articles and that you uh, that helped you realize what you were suffering from was postpartum depression. Had you had that previously with your other child or? Oh, no, I hadn't. Um I've never had any form of uh, mental health disorder, um, but I have had friends and family that had, so mm-hmm. I'd be pretty well versed on the subject. And since I wasn't a new mom, you know, I had already consumed a lot of media targeted towards parents. Mm-hmm. And so I had read, you know, countless articles on postpartum depression and 
other maternal mental health disorders because my mom has um, bipolar disorder. So I knew it was at an increased risk of getting it. Mm-hmm. Right. And evidently, this is something that I learned recently, that there's, in addition to just a postpartum depression, there's also a postpartum bipolar disorder, which I didn't know about. Yeah, and I think I really need to talk to a psychiatrist because I literally just read about that today. Postpartum Support International came out with an article about it. Mm -hmm. And that sounds a lot more like what I had, like the mania, the manic, you know, state. Mm -hmm. Um. Because my I was I was like talking really fast. I was very productive. I was, but I would also just get these moments of rage and uh, being completely overwhelmed. You know. Yeah. Um. So I I I would I'm curious to get an actual diagnosis to sit down in front of somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, That's I know. Right? Probably a good idea for everybody, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. but... <laughs> Yes, to have a proper diagnosis. That's the first step, isn't it? You know. So when you were in the hospital, were you ever scared that they were going to um, to put you inpatient? And um... oh, absolutely, because I know people that have been um, mm-hmm. inpatient, and so I knew as soon as they said police escort that that's where this was going. That they were going to either clear me or commit me. Right. Right. So because I was I was already familiar with that process, so I immediately called my husband. I said, "I need you to meet me at the hospital. I need you to bring my pump stuff. They might put me on a seventy-two hour watch." I need to, you know, keep up my supply because my daughter's exclusively breastfed. Mm -hmm. And so at that that point, I was just terrified that they were going to separate me from her because she was a NICU baby. She had, yeah, she had aspirated meconium. So she was in the NICU for 13 days. And that like was the worst situational depression I've ever had in my entire life. It was so terrible. They, they took her from me immediately, and then, you know, she had an IV in her umbilical cord and tubes hanging off of her face. So I couldn't hold her or cuddle her or feed her or, you know, anything. So I think that was a lot of what triggered the postpartum depression as well. Yeah, I can imagine. That would be horrifying to go mm-hmm. through. NICU moms are at a much higher risk of getting mm-hmm. some form of maternal mental health disorder. Yeah, that that makes sense. So you live in California, right? Yes. Um, I just read somewhere that they were um, just to introduce some legislature to uh, make it mandatory for doctors to screen new mothers for mental health. Have you heard about yes, because right now it's a voluntary. Yeah. Um, I spoke at I spoke at the rally promoting that legislation. Oh, okay. I was going to mm-hmm. ask you if you were for it, so I guess yes would be the answer. Yes, I mean, so first and foremost, first and foremost, I am for single payer health care. Um, I don't think that we can provide equal quality care to everybody unless we're under a single payer system. So a lot of the new legislation that's being proposed that's specific to maternal mental health mm-hmm. has specific wording for insurance companies. Right. So I think it's laying I think it's laying the foundation for a quality of care. But ultimately, I think that we need to move to a single payer if we're going to realize the dream of all mothers <laughs> having quality perinatal care. Right. Because I can only imagine um, different communities probably have ext- very much different experiences. Then, Absolutely. You know. Yeah. I mean, black women are three to four times as likely to die in childbirth than, oh, wow. than white women. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's no biological reason for that. 
mm-hmm. you know, so, and there are laws in place that prevent doctors and other medical professionals from discriminating against black people. But for some reason, we'll, we're still seeing this disparity, right? So we, we need to make sure that we're taking care of everybody. Mm-hmm. So when you were in the hospital, then they kept you there for, you said 10 hours and then just well, the whole you go, ordeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole ordeal. I was at the hospital for eight hours. The whole ordeal was 10 hours. Okay. It's a long doctor's um, appointment. <laughs> yeah, I know what was supposed to be, you know, a routine appointment was not as anything but that. Um, yeah, they, so when they let me go, the social worker said, you know, here's the information for the mental health crisis clinic, Mm -hmm. go there tomorrow and you need to call your general practitioner to get a referral to a psychiatrist. And it just, it just really irked me that I was like, seriously, It, it felt like that entire 10 hours was for fucking nothing and it's because mm-hmm. it was it was for nothing i walked away you know what i mean like i like the people at the doctor's office could have been like oh here are these resources you know anybody could have handed me that piece of paper i could have googled it you know i wanted to talk to a doctor <laughs> right yeah so that's all the uh follow-up they gave you was just basically telling you to call your primary care physician yeah which is actually bad information because i don't need a referral under my insurance they didn't even look at my insurance they told me to call my general practitioner for a referral and i didn't need it Mm -hmm. and uh, most of the materials that they gave me said you know if you think you're experiencing postpartum depression talk to your uh, your obstetrician or your doctor yeah it's like i just came from my obstetrician's (laughs) office it was it was just terrible and to this day, nobody from my obstetrician office or the emergency room has called to check on me. Really? So they didn't uh, set you up with any sort of ongoing nope. plan with any? Like, uh, oh, wow. That's... I even stopped at the counter on the way out of mm-hmm. my obstetrician's office with the police escorts. And was like, you know, do I need to schedule a follow up? And they were like, no. And so and I had requested a birth control console and that did not happen. Um. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really bad quality care. <laughs> yeah, that's awful. I assume you're changing doctors now. No, I'm gonna stay there. Um, and the reason for that is that if it's not good enough for me, then it's not good enough for anybody else that's going to that office, right? But a lot of people don't have the option to mm-hmm. change providers or crowdsource their healthcare. You know, so I'm going to stay there and make sure that they're providing better care to the community that they're serving mm-hmm. instead of um, taking advantage of Medi-Cal recipients. Well, that's really awesome. Um, how how do you expect to do that just by being more involved with your care there and, and how they manage your you care? You know, I, uh, I, uh, I've been struggling with how because I want something to happen right now you know yeah but everything in this industry moves so slow so I think we're going to attempt a two-tiered approach where because I don't want the office to become defensive right they probably already have lawyers you know what I mean oh yeah I want them to I want them to be open and receptive to receiving training you know I'm not going to sue them I'm not going to see the fact is no laws were broken even if they were I'm not going to sue them I just want them to accept 
training and implement it. That's mm-hmm. the most important part, right? Don't yeah. just go through just don't just go through the motions. You need to be providing quality care to these people. I don't care if they're poor. I don't care if they're marginalized. Everybody deserves quality health care. Yeah. And maybe a little bit of compassion training as well, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, some bedside manners right. type deals. So so right now I'm I'm working with people in public health to hopefully um, get some higher ups, get the mm-hmm. ears of some higher ups in the medical program and, and close gaps and break down barriers. You know, my office deals exclusively in facts. Mm-hmm. How many people, how many people, let alone low income people have access to a fax machine? That's ridiculous. Yeah, you not know? very many. And so, and they cite HIPAA and it's like, no, to me, that's bullshit. It's just another barrier. You're making it harder for poor people to access health care. What kind of, uh, what were they saying that HIPAA would prevent them from doing? Uh, using anything other than a fax machine, like oh. emails and things like that, because it's not secure enough. Oh, that's, there's a few hospitals around in my area that have gone almost completely electronic, including all of the con- all of the uh, communication between the doctor and patient. So I don't, I'm not sure how the... Uh, Exactly. It's just it's just a it's just a placeholder that they use to placate people, you know, to explain why they're lagging so far behind and explaining why they're making it harder for people to manage their health care. Right. Well, I'm really glad that you're feeling any better. Um, So going forward, you think you're going to um, talk to a psychiatrist or do you think you're all all better or? So I've been trying to keep sort of my treatment out of the spotlight because I'm afraid that it'll like persuade or dissuade somebody from taking medication. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, this whole thing, it going viral was very healing for me. You know, it was almost like talk therapy, getting all of these messages from women, mm-hmm. just lifting me up and, you know, giving me compliments left and right. Like it was, it was really nice. And, and it did make me feel better. That being said, my hormones are still not balanced out. Um, So I do still have some pretty low lows and I do still have some pretty high highs. And uh, but I haven't had any episodes of rage lately. I haven't been I haven't been. Oh, is that right? My daughter's (laughs) yelling at you. I haven't been so overwhelmed that I had to get up and hand the baby to my husband and walk away and take a break. Right. Yeah. That's good. So it, it feels like I'm balancing out. Um, so I've just been trying, like, breathing exercises and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know it's hard to uh, hard to balance whether or not uh, you should take medications or not. There's so many people that are all the way for it and all the way against it. It's hard to know where you stand sometimes. Yeah, and I just, I don't, I can't stand pill shaming. I think pharmaceutical, you know, my thing was I wanted to talk to a doctor about them mm-hmm. because I wanted to make an informed decision. They have pros and cons. Right. I just wanted to have a conversation about it, and I still haven't gotten that. Right. Well, I hope that you get somebody to talk to you soon. <laughs> it sounds yeah, like somebody hopefully. else wants your attention more than I do right now. <laughs> oh, no, she's okay. She's just talking. Um, we're walking around the house together. She, she likes to babble. <laughs> Sweetheart. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, no problem. If you have any other questions or anything, you can always let me know. Okay, I will do. Thanks so much. And thanks again to Jessica for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I hope that was helpful for some of you that may be going through the same thing. Don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, I know this, it didn't work very well for Jessica the first time, um, but don't be afraid to reach out to your provider, to a therapist. Uh, if you need somebody to just talk to, you can always email me. My email is thatbword at stonefruitmedia.net. If that's too hard to remember, um, you can also get me at thatbwordpod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at thatbword1. Uh, my Facebook page is at thatbwordpod. And you can find me on Pinterest as well, thatbwordpodcast. And you can find all of the previous episodes on that bword.stonefruitmedia.net. There's also a link there to support the podcast if you would like to. And another really great way to support the podcast is to rate in review and subscribe on iTunes or through whatever podcatcher you use. It's a really great way for other people to find the podcast and that's going to help it grow and help more people and hopefully continue to get some good guests on to talk about the issues. Either way, I really appreciate you listening. So thanks very much. And I hope you guys have a good week. And with that, I will see you next week. Okay, bye.